0: Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, we are very excited to have all of you with us this morning. How many of you are here because you think it's a 9:30 service, and you always come late anyway? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> there's a couple of people that are 9:30 people that I recognize. Very good. Okay, at the 11 o'clock, we put the chairs up after the service. I just want—I mean, everyone else is going to do it, so you know, you're now 11 o'clock people today. Next week, you can go back to being 9:30 and do not I mean, and come and worship then. Um, just to let you know, uh, we're in the, in the middle of a series coming towards the end of it, uh, next week, as August said is Palm Sunday and then Easter. And those will be the last two in this series. But what we've been doing during the series is we've been studying Abraham. We've been talking about Abraham's life, Abram's life, looking at his journey from his call, from the time that God said, all right, it's time to go to a land. I'm going to show you. It's all I'm going to tell you about it. Just go. And he did, um, to uh, up until this point, um, And today we're going to talk about Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm sure all of you just went, ooh, we're going to talk about sex today. No, that's not all there is to that story. So get it out of your minds. This is the church. gracious. What we've been doing is we've been walking along with Abraham through his journey because this is a season of Lent. And during the time of Lent, it is for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, to, to stop and take a look at our own walks, our own journeys with God. And so, I mean, if you look at Abraham's story, if you read through his story, you can see a lot of things, a lot of similarities to your own walk. I mean, every time I read it, every time I hear a story about Abraham, I see something new and different that relates to my life in Christ. Something that I can grasp, hold of and say, okay, I know what they're talking about. That great leap of faith that it took for him to leave his family behind and to go to a place that he didn't know what was going on. Last week, we talked about the great faith of Abraham, how he left the tent and walked out and God took him outside into the, into the sky and said, look up at the sky. You know how to get a different, a different spin on it. God had to take him somewhere different. And Abram, Abram had to be willing to take a step out of, the, out of the box to see where God was moving. I've been there. I've been there in my journey. I've been there in my faith walk. As, you, as we read through this during this period of Lent, I hope you too have been reading along with us in Abraham and seeing the different ways that God moves in your life the different times the good times and the bad times when god is constantly there directing and guiding and pushing and cajoling and loving today's no different today is a is a, is a little different because it's a story that you might have heard before but it but i don't know if you've ever heard it this way chapter 16 of genesis if you got your bibles open up to uh, chapter 16 and by 16 i mean 18 um and, and <laughs> chapter 18 of genesis See, I don't know if y'all listen. You know, you don't listen, and some of you don't even have your Bible, so you're not even going to look at it anyway. Uh, Genesis 18, if you if you got it, open up to Genesis 18. Okay, this is, just, well, this is what's just happened. God sent some angels to talk to Sarah and to Abraham, and he said, okay, here comes your son. You're now going to have, uh, have a son. I've, I've given you this promise that you're going to be the father of many nations, that your descendants are going to be so vast and so many that, like the sand, you can't count them. Like the stars, you can't count them. And here's number one. He just tells them this. So Abraham's got to be excited. He's got to be pumped. He's like, whoo, God rocks, yes. And this is what happens. Verse 16 is where we are. That's where the 16 comes in. Then the men got up from their meal and started on towards Sodom. Abraham went with them part of the way. The men are the angels. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asks. For Abraham will become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord and do what is right and just. Then I will do for him all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are extremely evil and that everything they do is wicked. I'm going down to see whether or not these reports are true. Then I will know. The other two went on toward Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham a while. Okay. Abraham is on such a spiritual high right now. God has come to him. These angels have visited him. He's with God right now. And God just said, you're going to have a son. All that he's dreamed about, all that he's wanted for his entire life. And the dude's old. You know, he's like hundred years old. I mean, it's been a long time and he's going to have a son. You know, I'm 34 and now my son just keeps me tired all the time. I could barely wake up with this time change thing because of him. But you know, and here's this guy so old, but he's so excited and he's so close to God and everything. And then here comes God with this different take all these things that these people are doing, all this stuff that's going on in Sodom. I've heard a lot of bad things and I'm going to go check it out. The other two men went on towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham for a while. Abraham approached him and said, will you destroy both innocent and guilty alike? Suppose you find 50 innocent people there within the city. Will you destroy it and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing destroying the innocent with the guilty. Why would, why would be treating the innocent? Why would you be treating the innocent and the guilty? Exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Oh, did you see what just happened there? Abraham, a man just looked at God and said, dude, surely you're going to do, are you sure you want to do this? questioning God getting into this I mean they're like they're together and Abraham goes yeah that's not a good plan oh talk about the chutzpah of this guy talk about the guts to do this to God but it goes on surely the judge of all the earth would do what is right and the Lord replied if I find 50 innocent people in Sodom I will spare the entire city for their sake then Abraham spoke again, since I have begun, let me go on and speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only 45. Will you destroy the city for lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose, suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if there are 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose there are only 30 that are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if there are 30. Then Abraham said, Since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose, suppose there are only 20. And the Lord said, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't get angry. But let me speak once more. Suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord said, then for the sake of the tent, I will not destroy it. Then the Lord went on his way when he had finished his conversation with Abraham and Abraham returned to his tent. Wow. When you read the scripture of passage, there's a lot of different ways you could take it. First of all, you could go, can one man change the heart and mind of God? Is God not omnipotent and omnipresent? How can one little guy, one dust and ashes kind of guy go, God, let's start a bartering war. Ah, 45, 45, 45, how about 44, You know, he's like an auctioneer going off with God. How can, you know, and if you look at it that way, you're like, oh, what does this say about God? See, that's not what this story is about. It's not talking about who God is. It's talking about who Abraham is. This story is about Abraham. See, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't just their sexual immorality. In Ezekiel, turn to Ezekiel 17 if you got it, 16 if you got it. Again, there's the 16. 1649. Listen to this. Sodom's sins were pride, laziness, and gluttony, while the poor and needy suffered outside their door. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't the sexual immorality by itself. If you know, if you read further in chapter 19, there's a story of Lot and he's entertaining the angels. And men come to Lot's door and they pound on the door and they want the angels to come out so that they can do sexually immoral things to them. That wasn't just their sin. Their sin was pride, arrogance, and laziness, and gluttony. Basically, their sin was that they didn't care about anyone else but themselves. Their sin was that they didn't care. Uh Uh-oh. It turns a little, turns a little eye towards me. The sin was that they didn't care about people. It was a crime in the city of Sodom. If someone was on the corner begging for food, they were hungry. They had nothing. It was a crime to give them food. Can you imagine that? It was a crime to feed someone when they were hungry. Their sin was that they didn't care about anyone. And here's the ironic twist. If Abraham had not stepped up and argued with God over the 50, the 45, the 40, he would have fallen into the same sin that they did. Because God comes to him and says, "I'm going to destroy these people because I've heard so many horrible things about them." And if he hadn't have gone, "Whoa, wait a minute. Let's discuss this." Because he cared so deeply for those people. He cared so deeply for those children of God. I said, God, let's kind of uh, let's think about this for a second. Let's talk about this. Cuz Abraham was full of mercy and compassion. Abraham was a religious guy, yes. But he was full of mercy and compassion. Cuz religious people, there's tons of religious people all over the world. Tons of religious people, millions of religious people all over the world, all over our country. You know what? Some of the very most religious people use their religion to oppress others. Some of the most very religious and devout people, and it's not just Muslims that I'm sure most of you or some of you thought of immediately, it's Christians too, use their religion to oppress and keep down others. There's a story of a pastor who... Went to Germany and he was touring around Germany and uh, he was visiting with this fellow that was on the trip with him. And it, it was a while ago and, and he began talking to the guy and the guy was from Germany and um, he found out that he was a teenager in Germany during World War II. And he said, Wow, they got into this conversation. The guy's name was Rolf. Rolf, what was it like being in Germany during World War II as a teenager? And he said, You know what? It was great. I was, in this, I was in this kind of group of boys, this camp, and, and we would camp out, and we had these tents, and we'd get up in the morning, and we'd have great breakfast, and the chaplain would lead a devotion for us, and we'd have a prayer time, and then we'd go off into the city, and we'd do our duties, and we'd learn new trades and different things, and we'd come home at night, and we'd have another prayer service, and then we'd go to bed. He goes, wow, that sounds great. What was the name of your group?
1: The Hitler Youth.
0: Oh, that's a different spin on it, doesn't it? think of the people who belonged or belong to the kkk they use this supposedly as their guide and yet there are probably today not many more people that are as evil and yet they say they're driven by god to do the things they do there are people that are so religious that they use it to oppress others they have no mercy or compassion Of course, then there's people that are so religious, and they're religious people, but they just pull themselves away from society completely. They just get into this little group and huddle, and they say, we are religious, and we believe in God and Jesus Christ, and whatever happens to the rest of the world, we don't care because we got ours, because we're taken care of. They secede from the world and become religious together. They believe that they're following the laws and the promises of God, but they would miss it. They take it so close, and yet there's so much more that is there that God teaches us and commands us to do and just wants us to do and says, you know, if you do it, your life will be so much better. There's a a rabbi who a, a long time ago was teaching about the differences between Noah and Abraham. The differences between Noah and Abraham, and I'm sure you're like, okay, well, there's lots of years difference. Noah and Abraham, both great men of the Bible, of the Old Testament, grow, both great men of faith. There's similarities. They both believed in God. They both feared God. They both obeyed God. They both were told at one time that a certain people would be destroyed, completely wiped out. But here's where the difference comes in. Noah said, okay. And he built his ark. Abraham said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, God. Let's talk about this. Let's enter into a dialogue here, God. See, the difference is, Abraham heard what was going to, have these, to happen to these people, and he had compassion and mercy on them. So, okay, you're going to destroy these people. And you know what? They probably deserve to be destroyed, but let's talk about this. Let's show him some mercy and some compassion. What about 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10? You know, there's a lot of theories out there, and some of the commentaries that I read this week say that he stopped at 10 because to go further was irrelevant. Because it just, when he gets to 10, that's a number that really kind of could be an individual, or it could be, you know, it doesn't matter. Beyond 10 doesn't matter to the conversation, to the point of the conversation. But I heard David say this morning, he said... If you look at it, he stops at 10 because God walks away. I mean, Abraham had so much mercy and compassion that he was, I'm I'm sure he was going, okay, now let's go to five. But God's done with the conversation. It says right there that God walks away. God's done with the conversation and he walks away. Who knows where Abraham would have gone? What about one? What about one? What about that one person? My nephew Lot lives in Sodom. He lives right there. What about him? Surely he is righteous. Save him. Saved the city because of his righteousness. He had chutzpah. He was willing to get in there and to fight for those people. Even with God. Can you imagine? He was willing to get in there and to fight with God, his heavenly father, who had done such great things. And right after God had said, okay, you're going to get a son. Think about the timing here. Right after God said, okay, you're going to have a son, what you've longed for your entire life is now going to happen to you. well, that's a great blessing, God, but we need to talk about this other thing. You ever been given a present and then you have an opportunity to confront somebody that gave you, you're not going to confront somebody that gave you the present. They just gave you a present, nice present, big present. What if it was a huge, gigantic present? Oh, we need to talk about this because Abraham understood that in order to be a good follower of God. You had to have mercy and compassion. You have to be a merciful, compassionate person. And you know what? If we follow the faith throughout and we come to our leader, Jesus Christ, He had some mercy and compassion, didn't He? That's all His life was about, was mercy and compassion. Even on the cross, the people who were killing Him, He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Can you imagine that? The very people who were killing him, who were putting him through such excruciating pain. He cries out to his God, his father, and says, forgive them. Forgive the ones who are killing your son. Forgive the ones who are doing this to me because they don't get it. Talk about mercy and compassion. Oh, that is mercy and compassion like I've never known it. Like I've never exuded. I know that mercy and compassion from Christ, but I've never given it. I don't think to that extent. I mean, seriously, if I claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ then I need to have that mercy and compassion, just exuding out of me. And when people wrong me or when people get on my nerves or anger me, I need to have mercy and compassion. I mean, okay. I've talked about this about three years ago. I talked about in here uh, about this little intersection over here at, Bass, at uh, what was at uh, Jones maltzberger and 281 right there. where you get on 281 right by a uh, um, Banana Republic, that new Chipotle Center right there. Okay, yeah. You know the sign says you merge this way, but nobody follows the law. Nobody follows that sign. And I've gotten so many dirty looks for following the law and not, you know, and just doing these things. And it gets me so irritated. I, I don't get as irritated about anything as I do when I drive, because um, I consider myself to be an expert driver. Um, I drive a white pickup, okay? All right. Not really, I drive a black one, but I don't want you to see me out there and know that it's me. Um, and I just get so irritated with people that do these things, and I get so mad. And now they've painted a stripe down there. If you know, I mean, the traffic there is so bad now, but they've painted a stripe. they put those little bumps in the road so you know you're in the wrong place. And still, people do not yield the proper way. And so there is never a time when I tailgate as much as I do at that intersection because I am not letting you over. If you're one of those people, you're not getting in front of my Dodge pickup truck. Let me tell you right now. If you're coming the wrong way, if you're doing it per- correctly and politely, even if you have a fish on the back, too bad. You know what? You 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 know you cast your lot, and I'll deal with it. I get so irritated by that, and I just get red and so angry and stuff. I mean, wow! Are, is, are there any therapists in here? Because I really need to talk about this with somebody um, in the back. Thank you. Please stay afterwards. Uh, yeah, but that's kind of the thing. I get, and then I think about it. You know, at times like this, I'm like, Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ on the cross says, "Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do." something simple and trivial like that mercy and compassion must be at the very core of who i am mercy and compassion and forgiveness must be at the center of who i am and it must just exude out of my body holding a grudge against somebody that did something bad to you are you kidding me that seems so insignificant now and so childlike and so trivial forgiveness and mercy and compassion the way that Abraham had on people that were sinful turned their back on God didn't care about a soul he said I care about these people God Now, God had his thing to do there but points made I look to myself and I look at Christ I'm like that's the kind of leader that I want that's the kind of person I want to be and am I really truly living that in my life Am I really, really truly being that merciful, compassionate person? That one who doesn't just care about the 50 or the 45 or the 40, but that one person. Wouldn't it be amazing that if we all had such great compassion and mercy, that that one person who is sleeping outside tonight, because it's cold, we are desperately scared of that person's health and we take that person in. But there's one more find our hearts just crying and bleeding for those people because our Savior does for us. Jesus says, that He says, Love others as I have loved you. As I have loved you, so love others. He's commanded us to do that. He's pretty much said, If you believe in me, if you want to be like me, then live your life this way full of compassion, full of mercy. I just keep going back to that image of him on the cross and saying, forgive them. Man, I wish I could have that strength in my own life. And I know that if I allow God to take over and the Holy Spirit to fill me, that I can one day, maybe. I'll probably from time to time be over there at Banana Republic and probably... Get upside you get a little paint on my car, your paint on you know that stuff, and send you into the wall. I'm sorry, but we need to begin our life to live our lives comp- full of compassion and full of mercy. Carrie Spielhagen is going to come out right now, and uh, the worship team is going to come back. and Carrie is our missions and outreach director, um, and you can email her uh, C. Spielhagen, just like it sounds at ahumc.org um, afterwards she's going to tell you about an opportunity coming up in a few weeks we've done it the past couple of years called the great day of service and it is the time when our entire church spreads about the community and lives out this message being merciful and compassionate to the world but first i just ask if you all would bow your heads and pray with me heavenly father we thank you and praise you for being the god of mercy and compassion that you are even in the midst of our darkness and struggles and even knowing who we are you are full of mercy and compassion towards us you love us so greatly that you're willing to die for us that you're willing to give your life and suffer unimaginably for us so that we might know freedom and that we might know life god fill in our hearts and in our souls that mercy and compassion that you alone can give that we may fulfill your mission here on this earth and that we may answer that call to love others as you have loved us so that they will know not about us, but that they will know about you in Jesus name. Amen.